Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for listening to Dude, Check This Out, a music podcast. Check out Handbone Relay's new album, Say Hi to Earl. Available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, and just about everywhere else. You can get more info or buy the record at our website, www.handbonerelay.com. Dude, Check This Out is sponsored by Bald Birds Brewing Company in Audubon, Pennsylvania. Oh, oh such a great song. Oh, so good. So good. Amazing. What, what the- drummers sing when they drink too much? <laughs> Sponsored by Hambone Relay. Speaking of Hambone Relay, my name is Rob Tate. I play drums in Hambone Relay. And over there on the computer is Mr. Mark Brown, who plays organ and uh, does all the Pro Tools stuff. Hey. Mark will chime in from time to time. We know we don't have a camera on him yet, but soon, very soon, no. you'll see what Mark is wearing on the podcast. Right now, he's actually just naked. <laughs> absolutely nothing. Okay, <laughs> he's wearing absolutely nothing. And uh, as always, there are too many genres to talk about on each one of these episodes. So please, if you feel like talking about a specific artist or you want us to reach out to some band or talk about a certain genre or we can review albums now, please write us an email at hambonerelay at gmail.com. And as always, we have guests on this show. And today we have a very special guest and a dear friend. Um, we play with this band called Whack Cheddar a few times. Uh, once at Fergie's, once at... Uh, at um, Fourth and the Farm, and I believe once at one other place. Mark, do you remember? No. I think there was a third <laughs> venue. Anyway, we have with us Mr. John Venezia, drummer extraordinaire. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Rob. Thanks for having me on. How's your beer, by the way? Fucking delicious. I can curse on this, right? Is that cool? Yeah. Fucking delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Some people get uncomfortable with that. Like, there's going to be, like, audio of them cussing on the internet, and it's like... We don't give ooh. a fuck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the opener. Um, yeah, some people get very uncomfortable. Like, uh, we had a, a guest on this podcast, and I kept saying kind of mean things. Yeah, like, can, yeah. can you tone it down? <laughs> it's like, sorry, sorry, my bad. I got, what happened was is that the beer hit me. And our sponsor today, as always, is Ballbirds Brewing Company. We have three of their canned beers here. We have the, uh, the Distant Earth Mexican Lager. We have the Blub Juice, the Blueberry Ale. And we have the Have Fun Cherry Double IPA. Go check out Ballbirds Brewing Company in uh, Audubon, PA. Or they just opened a new spot in Maniunk. Literally a block down from the grape room. Oh, get out. Yeah. And uh, they're they like sharing a space with like a coffee shop. It's pretty weird. So like they'll do the, co- the coffee shop will be open at like 4 p.m. And uh-huh. then they'll have the brewery open in the back from like 4 or 5 to like close. Oh. Yeah. Next time it's I'm a, in Maniunk. Yeah. Yeah. Either you're out. taking your uppers or you're taking your downers. You're just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> do your thing. <laughs> but anyway, so I was going to ask, how did your Whack Cheddar, Whack Cheddar just put out a new record mm-hmm. called who, it's who cut the cheese, who right? Cut the cheese, yep. How did the record release go? The record release was really good. Uh, was a really good time. Um, really great. Like the crowd was super engaging the whole time. I mean, we had my funky brethren open up for us, and we had Danger Boy, which is a new up and coming group out of Philly. Who is Danger Boy? Danger Boy. They're um, it's a young group. It's like a hip hop funk group, and I think they're all guys that that came out of UArts. I think some of them are actually still there. Okay, and 
they sounded they sounded really good. And actually, um, Zach, the bass player in that band, we we used him once or twice for some gigs and some rehearsals. And yeah, we were you know I was finding having trouble finding a different band and stuff like that because everyone's you know super busy over the summer. So um, Joe Lockwood, the trumpet player in the band, was like, hey, you should get this young band, Danger Boy. You know, they're kind of they're pretty big in the U Arts community, playing a lot of house shows and stuff. I think they can draw a good amount of people, and they sound really great. So how would you bring them on board? And I and I asked them. They were super psyched to be there. That's awesome. So, yeah, so it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a really great show, and the like like I said, you know, it's just always a blast, you know, mm-hmm. playing, you know, just you know, especially with these guys in the band. It was it was it was a blast. And this is Milk Boy, right? You guys had the show Milk at Milk Boy. Boy. Yep. Um, I love it there. Did they? The thing about some people may not know this, but Milk Boy has this thing. Uh, it's a, a shotgun. Uh, room, which means like it's like a long room as opposed to like yeah. a wide room. Mm-hmm. Did you encounter the thing where you had like five or ten feet from you from the stage to the audience? Just because it's they do it gets pretty loud there in the front. Yeah, because it's so condensed. I was just curious. You guys had encountered the same thing, or do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, kind of. I mean, not really. I didn't really notice anything. Okay. Yeah, about that. Like you meaning like sound wise? Yeah, like, yeah. So like we, there's a stage, and then there's like a usually five or ten feet to the ne- the first person standing, and then it's usually full. You know no, what I'm trying to right, say? All right, now I know what you mean. Yeah, that was kind of weird a little bit, and it was you know like it wasn't like totally packed. Yeah, you know like it wasn't like like a packed house. Um, but I did kind of, now that you mention it, I do kind of notice that a little bit. Like it, it is kind of like five feet from the stage. People are standing. From, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, Milk Boy. I think I don't remember if the the subwoofers are right there in the front, but there's always that five to like seven foot like space that's like we'll let you have your big fourth wall. Yeah, and right. we won't. We're not going to touch that. Like when we opened for um for uh, oh my god, what's the name of the band? The Rebirth band. Brass Band. For, for, yeah, thank you. Uh, it, it was even when they were playing, they were like the headliner sold out show, and they had that same thing. It's just people were didn't, didn't, don't want to be that close to all that sound. And I was right. just curious if you guys had encountered the same thing. You know, I didn't really notice it until now, until this conversation. <laughs> so thanks, Rob. <laughs> my bad. But, you know, the next time I play there, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just a thing that I'm making up in my head. But I always, whenever I go to shows, it's always that like little space in between. Like when we saw, um, it's like that personal space, like that boundary. Yeah, that, nobody wants to be right up on that stage yeah. just because it's like your face their foot and all that sound it, from that it's usually thing. right before people get drunk when, once people get drunk they loosen up and they're yeah. up, up yeah. in the front yeah. row but that first like three songs when everyone's still kind of not sure if they should dance or not yet you know that's, that's what it is and there's like ten feet in between you and the audience you know right maybe it's a thing like you know how in uh, uh, Sea World it's like a splash zone it's like it's like they don't want to get splashed by sweat by band members or like or horn spit. I don't know. Yeah, especially horn spit. My bad. It's a bad idea. Speaking of which, are we're all three bands horn bands? I know that Funky Brethren's a horn band. You guys have horns. Yeah, and then I think Danger Boy. Yeah, Danger Boy had a saxophonist play with them. Just one sax uh, sax player. But my Funky Brethren had the same type of uh, horn section: trombone, trumpet, sax, and that's what we have too. Um, we. They op- not open for us. They were before us on a bill on South Street, uh, mm-hmm. mu- a music festival down on South Street, and they were awesome. Uh, I think it's what's the singer's name? Kenyon Lundian? Kenyon. Kenyon. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he sat in with us. That oh, night really? Too. Yeah, it, it, we were really. F- I was actually um, in the middle of a run with another band called Moza mm-hmm. with Phil uh, Anthony, the bass player, and Melissa Fabrota, who uh, runs the band, and we were doing uh, some so far shows in Philly and DC. And we kind of worked the trip around, you know, this Whack Cheddar show that we had that week. So it, we were 
really fortunate because I, I try to do a little bit of singing now on stage, you know, especially for, depending on the venue. You know, maybe I'll try to do some, you know, Prince or some Stevie Wonder. And, you know, I had two great singers there. So Melissa sat in from Moza and Kenyon sat in. And it was it was a great night. It kind of filled out the set really nice. That's so cool. Why? Are you, well, not why. But when we first played with you at Fergie's, it was more of a fusion set. Mm -hmm. And you had and you did have a different horn line at the time. And now you're doing more of a. We're not doing covers, but like more mainstream, I'll say. More like two and four pocket stuff. Mm -hmm. Is Is that like a. Uh, something that was intentional or it's kind of like ebbs and flows with each gig and whoever you have available. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think it's more of because when I was writing that stuff, I, I was, I think I was in my senior year of college and I was really into like the whole fusion thing. And I, mm -hmm. I still am to this day, but I think when I left college, I, my taste in music started to change dramatically. Mm -hmm. Like I, there were periods of time where I wasn't really playing jazz or playing fusion music, and I was playing a lot of pop rock tunes, and I kind of wanted to like bring that over into into the band into mm -hmm. the writing because I, I felt like it. If we're just gonna be a fusion band, it's, it's just gonna sound like we're you know we're a fusion band from the nineteen eighties, and I and I felt and I couldn't really hear anything else but that. In it, so I wanted to kind of change it up, and you know, and I, I've always loved funk music, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I I grew up listening to it, and I you know I always loved pop music as well, so I kind of wanted to add that in to like the chemistry of the band mm -hmm. and stuff like that, and I think it's it's been the best thing that's happened, you know, because I think it's we we we're playing differently, which is good, mm -hmm. you know, we're we're responding differently to each other. It's not like we're just kind of going for it for every tune. You know, it's more like we're playing a song at that point. So. No, and I like it. And you know, it's funny you mentioned school, like in college. You notice how in college yeah. you're in like a, uh, uh, I, there's a, a term for it, but it's not coming to me. It's like everyone gets into that, what's the new hip thing? Yeah. And like, how hip can you be? And the moment that you leave school, you realize, oh, I, I get gigs this way and not, <laughs> right. and not with like, uh, what's a good example? Like doing uh, Return to Forever in a club in Philadelphia, yeah. unless you are Return to Forever doing it in the club. You right. Know? <laughs> there, there's like a certain. Um, I guess it's I, what I was trying. The demographic of what I was trying to aim for in this band was I. You know, I don't think I'm trying to go for like a jazz, you know, scene. You know, I'm not trying to play at the Blue Note or play mm -hmm. at the Iridium. You know, with like in a fusion band, I wanted I wanted to go somewhere else with it. So. I think it has something to do with that as well. Mm -hmm. What the type of people that I want to listen. I don't I just don't want to cater to like the jazz listener. You know, I want to cater to you know Is that like what you like or, or what your tastes are these days? Yeah, I guess so. I guess my taste in music has just changed dramatically mm -hmm. in the last three years. Right. Mm -hmm. And your relationship with Phil makes it so easy. Like you and Phil Anthony lock up so well. Oh, yeah. Like if you don't know Phil Anthony, he's a great bass player and also a great producer. I was checking out Moses stuff and um, I really loved it. I, yeah. I really love her, her new album that came out last year, uh, Who We Are. I believe mm -hmm. it's what it's Who called. Who We Are, yeah. It's really great, especially the um, the first track. I was like, I really dig this and like the tones that you got with like your toms blending with uh, uh, Phil's bass. I'm mixing up tunes. But I, I love the, the direction, and I love the direction of the Wack Cheddar record too. Oh, thank you, Do man. you guys, when it comes to Wack Cheddar stuff, which is going ebbing and flowing from like the more fusion side to mm -hmm. uh, more mainstream rock, pop, Funk. funk, yeah. Do you guys discuss what the hookup will be 
like in live settings? As yeah. from bass player to drummer, be, like do you, you know, guys talk about like, well, this song we're gonna be like more. Uh, what's a good example? Like an Adam Blackstone, whoever dr- ba- drummer, or like you know, you know, he's Motown. It, I, it's funny. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. I think we kind of. I think the whole thing with like a bass player drum, you know, connection is it's not. They always tell you, and you just go lock up with the bass player. So if the bass player is going, okay, your kick drum has to play that same thing. Right. But the cool shit is when you're not playing that, I mm-hmm. think. And it's when you're playing something different that counters that rhythm. And I think we both, like, without even talking about it with each other, just do that automatically Mm -hmm. like sometimes we won't just lock into a thing and i don't think we even talk about it sometimes i think we we we've i think most importantly we're great friends like he's one of my best friends so that comes first just the friendship level comes first and that makes playing music together super easy because then we're not even thinking Mm -hmm. we're just we're just playing and we're just in the moment i guess we're both we maybe afterwards we'll, we'll talk about like Hey, what were you doing there? Were you were you playing ahead or was was I playing behind? But we we kind of never go into it like kind of pre-examining like mm. what the groove is going to be. I think we kind of just fall into something. Right. With me and Mark, uh Mark plays the bass on the, the, the his keys. Uh we used to discuss it way more, mm-hmm. especially in the Free Hugs record and kind of into that EP we put out American Hi-Fi. And then with the last record, we haven't really discussed it too much. It's whatever we felt Whatever felt great, yeah. And I was just curious if your relationship with Phil was kind of very similar, right. and and it's a, it evolves as as the, uh, I guess as the gig goes on. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we kind of just you know whatever works that day. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, some days, um, you know, I guess some days, you know, we're, if we're, we're playing a whack cheddar show, some days I'm like super active behind the kit, and mm-hmm. some days I'm just not able to be active behind the kit, and maybe I just. I'm not hearing anything, and I just want to lay down two and four. And there are some days where he's like, I'm just going to play really simple today, mm-hmm. or I'm going to play a lot more today. And we kind of just, you know, we, we see where the music is going and, and what we're feeling at that moment. You yeah. know, I think that's, that's, that's the best way to be about it. Because I feel like, you know, especially with, like, bass player, drummer, hookups, it's like you can fall into a trap where you, I think you start overthinking everything too much you start overthinking you know what kick drum patterns you're gonna play with him and stuff like that and the feel and where it should be in the beat and stuff like that and i think sometimes like it just helps us to like all right let's just play let's mm-hmm. just see what happens you know if it, and we fall flat, flat in our face so be it and if it's a uh, success a uh, success so right mm-hmm. do you guys record all your shows as well with whack cheddar no i'm gonna start doing that though i think we love it i mean yeah. i was just curious mm-hmm. um with that now what led you to singing with whack cheddar because it's not on the record the record's all instrumental mm-hmm. and i love it but why are you kind of leaning towards a more of a well you are a band leader but now you're singing with the band as well so i i wanted to um i always felt uh, excuse me i always felt like um, you know, we play at a place called the Shrine mm-hmm. in Silvana up in Harlem. And, you know, for a while, uh, excuse me, um, we were, you know, we were playing like two hour sets and we were just playing in all instrumental music. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, we're not just we're 
like we're, we're not just playing at a jazz club. We're playing in front of like regular people that just want to listen to music. And I always felt like five or six songs into it that people are kind of, you know, they got that look on their face like, all right, so where is this going next? You know, and I, I kind of sat there and I'm like, OK, I think I need to add something different to um, to the show. That's going to make it more interesting for people mm -hmm. to sit there and watch, because, I mean, the goal is to play a two hour show where people are engaged and people are are super into it. So I, I, I always loved having like a party atmosphere and I always loved going to like shows um, like, for example, I saw Average White Band when I was 17 years old with my uncle and it was like the craziest fucking shit I've ever seen because they got people up. They got people dancing. Mm -hmm. The same thing when I saw Maceo Parker. But the cool thing with Maceo Parker is that they were still improvising. They, they were still playing solos and they were still like, you know, it was still um, it wasn't like planned out. They were kind of it was it was just super cool. But it was like this party atmosphere that I loved. And, you know, and he was kind of like emceeing on the mic and I. And, and as soon as I saw those two shows, especially the Maceo Parker thing, because that was more recent, I was like, okay, that's, that's what I want to do. Like, that's, that's really cool. I just want to see people having a really good time, like, you know, dancing, you know, drinking, whatever, just having, being really into the music. Mm -hmm. And that was more important to me than sitting there at like a jazz club and like, you know, playing all the chops I can play, mm -hmm. you know, in one song. That was more important for me. So I think that's why I started adding some of these. Um, like, I, I don't write any original tunes with lyrics. You know, I'm still writing tunes that are all fully instrumental, but I'm just starting to add some, like, you know, some cover tunes here and there. Um, are you going to start writing original tunes with lyrics and things like that? Are you, like, not debating anytime. it? Yeah, I'm debating it. I mean, my, my lyrical... Writing is, is not very good. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can't really write lyrics. I bet you I bet you're better than you think you are, man. I, come Maybe. On. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, I've, I've just sat down and tried to write, you know, songs and try to write lyrics. But I, you know, I just can't get into it as much. You know, I always feel like I, I, I'll write some lyrics down and then the next day I'll look back and be like, what? What the hell? What the hell was, was I on? Like, hell. Yeah, right. I'm like, this is so corny. Why? Why would I ever say this? That yeah. you know. In fact, I'll share share something. I brought a tune in to uh, to Hambone. It was mm -hmm. called Dude Man Bro. And that's a cool name. I know. Yeah. I, that's the way I write. Is I write a cool name. And go okay. How can I use that? And mm -hmm. so I wrote a melody, and then I wrote these lyrics, and I brought this in. And Mark looks at the sheet. He's like, these aren't permanent, right? <laughs> it's like so you're you're gonna this is like de demo this is like tentative version, right? right you're gonna you're gonna change this eventually right right that's what some of the the guys in whack cheddar feel about some of my song titles too <laughs> <laughs> they're just like uh here goes another one of john's titles but again. if it's instrumental who cares yeah, who cares like, right ex, ex lover uh what is it trash talk trash talk yeah. by the way I had a thought. This might be out of line, but okay. Ready yeah. for this? Okay. So you know how in Charlie Brown, the the teacher was like a trum had the trombone voice, like so the kids are talking like, yeah. "Sorry, Mrs. We have a trombone fucking solo in the middle of the the song, and I was yeah. wondering like, this is like the lover of the teacher in Charlie Brown, and I was also drunk when I was listening to, to that <laughs> song, so I was like coming up with the synopsis that, that 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 would work. Anyway, that's a cool idea. Yeah, I kind of like should, that. That's a music video. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Hit I'm up gonna, the Charlie Brown yeah. people. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> even thought about that yet. Music <laughs> video. <laughs> so, actually, your stuff would really work well in like like a like a cool cartoon, like just like a, like a storyline cartoon thing. <laughs> that would be so cool. Take one of the shorter ones. That's so funny because Phil. Every time he hears 
um, the uh, the intro to like ex lover. He's like, dude, this reminds me of Power Rangers so much, dude. <laughs> oh wow. I have to go back and listen to it. <laughs> That's amazing. You should do something with I, that. I That's, should, yeah. I mean, then again, it's like, oh, great. Another thing I have to buy. Yeah, right. Fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another expense on the list. <laughs> yeah, we, we do that. I mean, now with Handbone, we got like the touring, the podcast, and all this other stuff. Right. We're like, great. Another thing we have to do. We actually just discovered. Well, this is cool. Like the podcast thing. This is, all, this is my first podcast ever, man. We I love doing it. it. We get yeah. our friends to come on. We talk about shit. And then we like release it. And we're like, we're getting drunk. And you get to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We like it. <laughs> if you like it, thanks for listening. <laughs> Subscribe. Uh, anyway, uh, what was I going to say? But you're also, in, it's Moza, right? Yep, Moza. That group Moza. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Melissa's her name, right? Yes. She's wonderful. She's like a great, She's great. singer. Yeah. Um, you guys have a video or t- like a video and like a snippet out right now, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. There's the uh, the video. Of Mama's Got Brand New Shoes. That's the full one that's on YouTube. And then you have like a teaser for like another one, right? Is there another video that's happening? You're doing like rim clicks on the, the floor top. Oh, that's the same video. Oh, is it? The same video. Okay, I'm yeah. mixing them up then. Mm-hmm. But that video is awesome. Oh, thank I really you, man. love it, man. It's that was so a lot of cool. fun, man. Where did you record that video? Down in Nashville at the uh, bomb shelter. That's the name of a studio? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, it was really cool, man. Dude. Yeah, Nashville, Nashville's a cool town, man. Mm-hmm. You ever think about moving down there? You know, I, I went down there... Well, you're a New York kid too, so like yeah, I, I grew up in New York. I'm not New York City, but I grew up in like Westchester County. It's about an hour north, but you know, I grew up going to the city. You know, doing that whole thing. But yeah, I, it's just something about New York that I just I just like. I mm. mean, everyone's everyone's really miserable there. You know, <laughs> you know, everyone's got an attitude, but everyone's really real down there, which is cool. Like true New Yorkers, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, like, they'll tell it to your face. Like, yeah. you fuck up and they're not happy about it. Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, sometimes for me, I'm like, I'm a sensitive guy, so I'm like, I, I'm like, oh my god, like I'm fucking up. Oh my god. But then, <laughs> at the same time, it's like, oh, who the fuck cares, you know? But you know, I thought about Nashville for a little bit. Um, I really do. See, when I was in college, like there are two, and we both went to University of the Arts. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, man. So. <laughs> Paying off that one. Um, Same anyway, here. Go on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cheers. Well, cheers. We yeah. might need more beer. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. You know, when I was in college, you know, I was super into um, jazz. Right. Yeah. I was super into jazz. I was also like super into like smooth jazz. I like not like Kenny G stuff. Really? Yeah. I just really loved Jeff Loberfusion. Fusion. <sighs> Chuck Loeb. Were you oh. were you a Jeff Sample guy or Joe Sample guy? Yeah, I like I loved all that shit, like the Crusaders oh, and stuff so like grooving. that. And I think it was more because of the bass player, drum player, mm-hmm. lockup type of thing. And you know, my dad, you know, he I grew up listening to like Larry Carlton. You know, yeah. that was like his dude. Like my dad's a guitar player. Um, and I grew up listening to all that stuff, so I was really into that in college. You know, and I you know playing in the big band and stuff like that. And there was another side of music. That I didn't really pick up on that were, but friends of mine, like that were telling me about like John Mayer, you know, yeah, I liked him in college, but then, you know, Phil, you know, one night we were hanging out at like a Seven Eleven, and he's like, yo, listen to how good this album is. And it was born and raised mm-hmm. and it totally changed my perspective on like another side of music. It's like, it's not all jazz, you know fusion stuff it, it opened me up to drummers like levon helm and 
uh, Jim Keltner and all these different dudes. And, and it just opened me up to just a different, you know, style of music. You know, you're just, speaking my language right now. Yeah. That's my, like that's my bread and butter. As yeah. Well. And like the meters, mm-hmm. you know, and I like literally we were driving down to Nashville for that trip and we just put on like the meters radio on Spotify. It's the most killing shit ever. And I was mm. like, where the hell have I been for like the last 10 years? Like this stuff is so good. I'm stuck in the 80s, bro. I know. It's stuck <laughs> in the 80s, man. I was stuck <laughs> listening to like Miles Davis, which is still great. Now. I'm yeah, not yeah, pissing but, on it. Yeah, but, but, but at the same time, it's like, you know, that's why I didn't really appreciate Nashville mm-hmm. when I was in college. And I wanted to move down there um, when I was in college because I thought like, oh, it's session work. It's work. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I don't think I truly understood the language of it down there. Like when now when I go down there, I get it. Guys are listening to Levon Helm. They're listening to Aaron Sterling. They're listening to the dudes, right? Mm-hmm. They're 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 listening to Ringo Starr, you know, and people up here diss on Ringo Starr. Which oh, all the time. All the time. And I just feel like you don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like it's amazing what yeah. these guys have done to the language of just rock and roll and just like even listening to country music. And I think now I, I'm, I appreciate it more, just what's going on down there, just the style of music. Mm-hmm. So I think, will I ever move down there? I don't know. Maybe, maybe one day. I'm, I'm not sure. But it's one of those things where it was like a language thing, where I was listening to just completely different styles of music. And I didn't really appreciate what was going on down there, mm-hmm. what's going on down there now currently, you know. No, it's definitely. I mean, session work is still definitely a thing. You mm-hmm. know, what my favorite dude is right now. Actually, current guy is the, I can never remember his name. It's the guy that plays with uh, Chris Stapleton. I am blanking on his name. He is the coolest Nashville drummer ever. He's always had these big old tubs and snare drums, just That's like so fat. cool. Um, what record is it? I think it's uh from from A Room Volume One. I think mm-hmm. it's sort of like a red cover. Go check it out. It I gotta is check it out. So good. It is so good. Um, is that Derek Mixon? Yes. That's his name. Derek Mixon. He's the Big dog best. over there. That's yeah, cool. La- thank God for the laptop. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. Big dog. Um, hey, man, I'm the producer. God. i got to do something. Is that a surf in the web, you know? Yeah. No, Looking we've, for porn. We've definitely, I've, uh, I have a few. I, I keep saying that maybe I'll move to Nashville or this, that, the other thing. But you know what's funny? And I'm starting to see it more and more. And me and Mark have talked about this, mm-hmm. which is like there are dif- these different avenues of recording like Fiverr and like these different places online where you can find session work you don't necessarily have to go down there right you know you can just do it all online you know if you wanted to right you could yeah you know honestly you could do it anywhere I mean if you can I mean if you want to honestly do it on a professional level like you have to go you have to go to like LA Nashville and Mm -hmm. even not so much New York City anymore it's more Nashville LA Mm -hmm. where you see a lot of recordings coming out of these days I think but yeah, you can like do it, do yeah. it anywhere. You can make recordings in Montana if you wanted to, you know, or um, wherever. Like it, just, it doesn't matter because now, like you just like you see a lot of guys having their own studios and sending tracks, like, especially drummers. It's like a thing. If you have a drum you know? room and everything's mic'd up and you have everything set up, you can just do it. Yeah, it's, it, it, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, what's the cat's name? Kenny um, Aronoff. Yeah, he has a a a. a, a a little almost like a little tiny apartment like that he goes to to record it's like right. a little attic but he records in it and he like these top level session stuff like yeah and just does it by himself i mean mind you he does live in la or whatever so he right. can just go do it but 
It's a thing. It's definitely a, a thing. It's a thing now. Yeah. But speaking of session work, you actually had two or three records come out this past month. So good for you. Yeah. <laughs> you so, got like two or three records to come out, right? Like yeah. Whack Chatters. And then also, I had it written down here because I would have forgotten. Um, Eager Sales yeah. had their record come out. Mm-hmm. And then also at the end of 2018, you had Moses' record come out, right? Yeah. Well, I, I didn't play on that record. Oh, you we, didn't? I did not play on that. Okay. Josh Dion played on it. He plays in Paris Monster. But yeah, the Eager Sales stuff is really... Uh, e- I, play, I think I the played Palisades, on one track. The record's The Palisades. Yeah, I played on one track. I played like a snare drum snare drum roll. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. I could have th- I thought that was you. Yeah. I looked at the liner notes incorrectly. And then also the uh there's another record that you guys well, you have a new group out called um Widewater. Widewaters, yep. And that's kinda like a chill thing with groups from uh Weds Weds Meets West, Moza and Whack Cheddar. Yep. hmm It's just like a, a little um uh Sam stuff out of a Mercy College up where I live. He um it's basically am- ambient music. Mm-hmm. Him and uh uh, Justin, the keyboard player, right? Like really great ambient music, and me and Phil actually we played we played on it together. Yeah, you and Phil keep ending up on all these projects together. It's yeah, like, it's it's you know it's cool because I think when I when I got out of school I was, you know, you we kind of formed like this team, mm-hmm. like in like people people have hired us, you know, like really great songwriters are just like, hey, like I want you guys to play in my stuff. I want you guys to play in my band, and mm-hmm. it, it's really cool because it's it's um. Because we know how to play well together, and we know each other so well, we know how we work together, and and I think that really helps, like a, a young songwriter or anybody, any artist, because I think having that team of people that always play together with each other, super that chemistry is super important. It's not like just getting a random guy from here, or a random guy from here, and putting them all together, you know, mm-hmm. and playing a song. It's like you have like a team of guys that already work. Well, right, yeah. you already have that chemistry. You don't have like a makeshift group yeah. of guys. Mm-hmm. I did a session not too long ago where it very much was like that, and it was yeah. very awkward. But like, if you have your bros in the studio, it's just like you're drinking, hanging out, or right, or even exactly. just whatever, just shooting it. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you what, it, the chemistry is there, and I truly love Phil's relationship and the sound that's coming out of it. Um, you guys also have the Yeah Bud series on Instagram. <laughs> hey, Brad. Hey, Brad. Hey, how you doing, hey, Brad? So what? What did that even come out of? It's so stupid, but it's funny. It's uh, just so, long. Basically, we <laughs> we kind of just make fun of like, um, I don't know if I should really say. Fuck no. it, just you don't uh, say a say name. It. Yeah, no, but it's kind of like we're making fun of like I guess like musician talk. Like people are like, oh, I got so many gigs, I got so many sessions, and we 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 know a couple people like that, and <laughs> we're and one time we just we, we, it's just kind of a thing now i know it's kind of just grew out of nothing mm. almost like hey bro how you doing and you know like um yeah we kind of just do it to like kind of make fun of like musician talk musician like, speak and all yeah, that other bullshit like, like you play that 251 bro yeah exactly yeah yeah you know Cherokee <laughs> <laughs> can you do it on all 12 keys yeah and then the 13th key yeah 13th key 14th key whatever you want bro <laughs> <laughs> it's an instagram you can follow is it just called Hey, bud, series. Hey, <laughs> underscore, bud, underscore, series. <laughs> you just gained four fans. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Phil's going to be really excited about it. Uh, hey, whatever, man. I know that your uh, your trumpet player wasn't very happy about it <laughs> at, at the last gig we were playing. Yeah. He's starting to like it. <laughs> okay. Well, if he's in it, you know, it's what he, it is. he was doing it today. When I got into Philly, he was like, hey, Brad. He was like, <gasps> yeah. But it's also like, a, like anytime I'll see like friends that, you know, like Phil and you know any any of the Moza people? I'm like, hey, Brian. It's like a, it's like a like a call. Like if we can't find each other, <laughs> it's like like 
perfect example. I saw Phil and Melissa at a uh, a Whole Foods um, up where we, we live, and I was trying to find them because we were meeting up for lunch. And I saw them. I'm like, hey, Brad, how you doing? And everyone looks. And they're, it's, it's just like a call. <laughs> Out in the wild, they're like, hey, Brad, how you doing? Oh, I see you. It's a little call. I love it. Oh, that's so funny. We we don't have that. We have Sick Brad, but that's a different thing entirely. <laughs> it's just a song name. That we yeah. have. Anyway, yeah. um, that's so funny, dude. Um, so I was going to ask, what's what's the future for Whack Cheddar? Are you guys, like, going to start touring, hitting the road a little more, like put, put out some more live records, or is it kind of up in the air? I guess everything is up in the air mm-hmm. right now. Um... Yeah, I think every I put a lot of work into just like the last year putting this record together, and I, you know, I have it basically just just me kind of running this. Like I book the shows, I right? Put, you write the music, you write book the, the music, shows, and, yeah. And the guys in the band, all I ask from them is that they come down and mm-hmm. play. You know, that's all I do, and and I'm you know, so I it's a lot of work, and then I have like other things going on, and it's so it's always kind of. Tough. Like these next couple of months, I'm just trying to book some book some shows. I think we have one show booked on, I think down in New York City. It's on November 8th at the Shrine. But that was one. But it's like one of those things where it just it just takes a long. It, it takes it, it takes about a day or two just to sit down and be like, okay, let me send out some emails to book some shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as of lately, I've been getting back into writing a whole bunch. I kind of took a break. A little bit kind of just di- digesting these songs and just because I, I just haven't had time to just kind of sit down and mm-hmm. write music. And also in the past, like, you know, I've been writing stuff and, you know, recording it on Logic and I just listening back. I'm like, eh, that doesn't really sound too good. You know, you come back a day or two later and you're just like, oh, that's kind of cheesy. So but, you know, now I'm kind of getting into like just like uh, just this forward motion. Again, I'm putting some stuff back together. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think this summer, like, it was just, I was kind of just busy playing with other groups and stuff like that. And also, like, the big thing was, like, this release show and putting this album out. So I wanted to put all my concentration onto that. But I guess for the future, I mean, definitely touring is, is, a, is a huge thing. Um, and, uh, you know, definitely putting out new music. Um, is is the next big thing? Putting out like a full album would be would be great. Um, this was four tracks, right? Four tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like an open ended open ended thing for me. You know, definitely trying to play as much as I can. You know, it's always kind of tough because, you know, I come down from New York to do this. You know, me and Phil come down to New York to mm-hmm. do this, and sometimes he's not able to come down for rehearsals and stuff. And sometimes it's just me coming down and rehearsing with the guys because everyone's got busy schedules and stuff like that. And you know, we're all committed to the band um but like i said like everyone's got different different things happening so it's always and it's a big band too well you used to do you used to do like two different crews you used to have a philly crew right and a new york crew or that's what i understood went back in like college or kind of like yeah it's so how it all really started was me and phil we were talking one day and phil was like yo invite me down to philly let's play a gig together just because. Like, yeah, he was just kind of like breaking my chops. And I was like, that's actually like a really cool idea. And um, he came down a couple times and we played at Chris's Jazz Cafe. And I just I just put it under my name, the John Venezia Project. And Sam Risen, uh, the guitar player, uh, and Wax Cheddar plays, was playing in it. Um, By the way, he sounds excellent on the record. Yeah, he sounds so he good, He sounds man. really great. Yeah, he's just... 
he's got like this whole like thing. He just has a thing, you know, Sam. Like he sounds like Alan Holdsworth and Wayne Kranz put together, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And he's also just like you know, he's one of the coolest guys. Was so world. nice. <laughs> yeah, he's like almost too nice. Like, how can you sound that badass and be like, hey, yeah. Man. Yeah, I know. I, I used to live with him. I lived with him for four years. Oh, for college. real? Yeah, yeah. No, we were we were in Beavis and Butthead together. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, but you know, he was in it from the beginning, and Aunt Nigro, um, used to play in it. And I think what the turning point one day was that I booked a gig at Rockwood Music Hall, and stage one a, or two. Stage one. Mm-hmm. It was a Saturday night at midnight, and it was packed. And it was, it was, um, I think it was first semester of my senior year, and it was me, Alex Delcourt playing bass, Sam, Henry Turf on saxophone, and then Nick Lumberdelli was playing from Bone, and everyone loved it. And we were playing original tunes of mine. It was all like, it was actually kind of more in that fusion type thing, and people really dug it though. So I think that was a turning point for me. It's like, man. I just I want to like start like a community. I want to like start like a band. You know, I want to play with my friends mm. pretty much. And I <laughs> I called a meeting with with all of them. And at that point I had Nathaniel Hawk playing keys as well and um this is before Joe even entered the band and I sat them down like, "Hey guys, you want to be in the band with me? Like let's let's start a band together." Like I'll write everything. I'll take care of all the booking. I'll take care of all the business. After you said that, they were already in. Yeah, they were like, yeah, yeah, cool, man. <laughs> I don't have to do anything, and I just play. Yeah, like, life just sounds come down good. and play, man. <laughs> that's all I need you for, man. And yeah, and that's that's where it kind of started from there. So I forgot where this is all leading to, but um, well, I was asking like you, you had a Philly crew or a New York crew. Oh I was yeah, just curious if it's just become a culmination of everybody. Well, I mean, it's like a rotating door, kind of like um, uh, what's the band? Uh, uh, Totally blanking. That's our technique. Snarky puppy. Snarky puppy. Yeah, I guess it's kind of more like that, where I have like a community of guys because, um, you know, I'm always, you know, certain guys have gigs, you know, like you know, wedding band stuff, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on the weekends, and that's, you know, if I want to book a Saturday night, people are booked, mm-hmm. you know, in advance, and and that's fine. So I have other guys that I can call, you right. know, like for example, like I have this guy, he, I went to high school with, he's one of my best friends, Mark McIntyre. He's playing the band. A bunch and when Sam can't do a gig I call Mark and if Mark isn't around I'll call someone else you know like it's just like this kind of rotating group of people and if they sound great and I'm like oh cool and if they're cool I'm like yeah let's yeah you're like growing almost like your friend base and that becomes part of your band and then like your crew exactly yeah and that's how like and that's how I kind of want it to be like I had my main core of guys that I want to use mm-hmm. and those those are the those are the dudes but, you know, if I have to switch a couple guys out, that's fine, you know. Right. So it's, it's all – I guess I, at the beginning it was kind of like a New York band and like a, a Philly band. It was kind of – kind of well, like just how the talk the was. That's how the talk was in school, and I just remember I, I've always wanted to ask is that the case and et cetera. You got to play in some of the big bands I never actually had the chance to. So I'm like – I thought you always sounded great with those big bands back in school. And when I finally saw you with Whack Cheddar, I was like, oh, shit, this is – wait, oh, this like, is so oh, cool. Z, oh, Z-Band? Yeah, when oh. you were in the, the the big, big band. Big had, Z-Band. For people that don't know, there's like the Z-Band and there was the, the Rick Kerber uh, big band underneath that. And uh, through whatever and whatnot uh, – 
uh, I, I, something happened my senior year, but you always sounded great with the Z band. You always sounded awesome, and I highly respect that. Oh, thank it you sounded man. great. And then like Whack Cheddar came out of nowhere. I was like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> and then we got to play shows with you guys with Handbone Relay. It so, was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, a lot of fun. good times for sure. Z band, man, that's a that's a memory yeah, a, from the past. Yeah, yeah, we don't have to bring that up every again. <laughs> Do what it is. <laughs> no, I mean that that was fun, man. I mean I, especially my senior year, like when playing in that group, like it was all guys that I. Um, we all entered school together mm-hmm. and we were on this band together. So it was a fun thing because we were all playing music together and it was, it was fun. You know, it was just, a, it was just a fun time. Yeah. You know, for real. and, and also just like that, that stuff kind of helped me with my, my reading a little bit and how to like interpret like a chart, you know, because I was, I was really bad when I don't even know how I even Seriously? entered. The, I was so bad at reading. Oh Yeah. Like, really? And, oh, you, and you were like in the, the primary big band? You had to- I was really bad. Like, I would have to take charts home. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, Eric used to like break my chops about it. Like, uh, but Eric bit. broke everyone's chops. Yeah. In fact, I, I still remember clearly a, like an oral beating I got from Eric about something. It was about, uh, it was about always playing these two or three fills unintentionally. <laughs> and he would call me out, you can never play these fills for a year. Good luck. <laughs> That's good, though. Yeah, I, I know, but good. same with the reading. Just you no, know, right. And, you know, he was, like, the reading thing for me was just, like, um, it was one of those things where it was just, like, all right, how can I just get through a chart? You know, that's mm-hmm. that was, like, my the most important thing for me. It's just, like, how the hell can I get through this chart without making it seem that I'm fucking up? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, like, faking it until you, until you, until you make it, yeah. you know, one of those things. So... It was, it was a good time. Yeah, I I learned a lot just kind of being in that band, playing in the Bing Ensemble. After, now that you're leading a band, what do you think the big three tips you'd give somebody to, to lead a group of their own? Ooh, it's a good question. Be articulate. That's the first thing. Okay. Yeah, be really articulate with your ideas and be straightforward. I guess that's the second thing. I guess being straightforward, especially with, you know, because. Like, for example, when I when we were in the studio the first time recording this record, that was my first time ever being in, being in a studio and everyone's looking at me for the answer. Mm-hmm. Like, what do we do? And, and you always have to have an answer. And you always have to. Yeah, exactly. And you have to be calm and, and patient about it mm-hmm. as well. And it's 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 hard, you know, because and then not only that, you're like worrying about your own playing as well. Like, I remember sitting there for the first track or two and being like okay i have to direct everybody in this room what to do but then at the same time i have to make sure that i'm not fucking up on my part as well so it's like this whole it's like this whole thing so i guess the first thing is like being super articulate with your ideas yeah and being super straightforward um i guess being level-headed um would be the second thing and I haven't really thought about this. Honestly. No, I'm just curious. Off the cuff yeah. is better. No, no. It's, I think those are like kind of the main points, I guess. It's just kind of it's, – it's, it's really being organized. That's like I guess another thing. Just being super organized with, you know, how you're managing your time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I guess even picking things that are wise to do. Like, for example, like, you know, we've booked gigs – like I've booked gigs in the past for this band and – they haven't been the greatest gigs in the world. Like, they, you know, you, sometimes you just book a show and it's just like, 
You know, it just flops right, right in your face. And, and you just, just take it, you run with it, and keep going. Exactly. And you just kind of learn from that. You just kind of pick, you just know what venues that you're going to book again, and you know what venues you're not going to book again. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, the right, you know what's not going to be a waste. Because my, my main thing is, is that, like, if you waste, like, this is my own thing. So if I were to fail, you know, at, you know, if we, if I book a show and five people show up, that's on me, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm willing to take that. But, the most important thing is that I don't want to waste, you know, the people in my band, you know, their time because their time is super important mm-hmm. to me. And I don't want to book a show that's like super that's just out of the way for everybody. And it's really we're really not getting anywhere with this show. I always want to have like this forward motion. Like I rather book less, but those shows being really good mm-hmm. than booking like 10 shows in a month and two of those being really good and eight of those being really bad shows. So I want to, I'm going for more um, quality over quantity. I think it's the way to go. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's the best way because I think you can get really drained and you can drain the people out in your band for doing that. And I think like, you know, I'm always eager to play with this group. And if I can book 30 shows, you know, in a month, like every, if I can have a show with this band every day, I totally would. Mm -hmm. But it's just, you know, at a certain point, it's like a financial thing to deal with as well, unfortunately. And it's also a time thing as well. Mm -hmm. And especially like, I guess we're a new up and coming band that, you know, we're always trying to have like a forward motion where I'm always trying to push for something different, you know, with this group, trying to always get up to like the next level, I guess. Yeah. In where we're playing and, and who we're playing with. Like I... Like, don't want to play, like, to the same people. I want to play to different people. Mm-hmm. I want different people to hear the music. I don't want to just keep on playing to, you know, the same 10 friends that come out to every show. Right. But, yeah, you, which but, is you, still but you also but you also want to retain those people at the same time. Exactly. But, like, keep yeah. it fresh for them and also for your new, new folks. Yeah, keeping it fresh. I guess that's the best way to going about it. Yeah, and uh, I think that's what we're trying to do as well. A lot yeah. we're doing, we you know, we're trying to do our new, a bunch of new tunes, a bunch of new videos, and we're constantly trying to make it interesting whenever we go back to certain markets. Like when we go to, we're doing a residency at the Whiskey Jar in Charlottesville once every month for the next like nine, eight, ten months. Till like and May, so it's going all, all through until May, all the way yeah. until May, and we have a different. Um, specialty set every night like a themed set and we'll do like a different artist and that's cool and that's one way we're trying to bring make sure people come back right and and i know that you guys are trying to do something similar where it's like you're trying to play something different every time you come to town if it's the same old thing yeah you won't retain but you want new people as well exactly yeah it's just kind of just like this this balance uh of you know what works and what doesn't work and and seeing what and trying new things out Mm -hmm. as well you know i and and taking chances you know that's 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 a super important thing for me. It's like, all right, let's take this chance. You know? Yeah, I think what needs to happen is every band just needs to perform naked, yeah, and yeah. and just and play with just go for it. Just man. yeah, <laughs> I, I, take it. Stones. I'm sorry, excuse me, Stones. The Red Hot Chili Peppers, and then Whack Cheddar. You know, just totally naked, <laughs> and and that's the way you have to do it. It's a good on. idea, Rob. I think so. I think <laughs> that's the way. I think once an episode, I have to mention about playing. Back on. Yeah, we're back on. Oh, hey. It's just that fast. We've just opened our double IPAs. Cheers. Hey, cheers, my man. Yeah, how do you like it? I, I love it, man. Right. Oh, man. Oh, so we're going to talk about this next part of the podcast. Yeah. Okay. It's called Whip It Out. You whip out your cell phone, not the dirty 
thing. And whip out your cell phone. We're going to talk about the last five things you've been listening to because the, the key to this podcast is we want to know who are, what our guests are listening to and we want to see kind of where you are musically. What's your mindset? So here, bust out your phone. All right. And uh, do you have Spotify or Apple Music or anything of I the like? Even though we know they're not giving us enough money for our streams, we'll use them for now. It's, yep. it's the best way to... Come on, Spotify. Yeah, I know. It's, um, it's a thing. I was actually talking to somebody, and see if you can come up with a good idea right now. Is What is a good commodity for our music that isn't streaming that we can make a fair price? You know, We're doing vinyl right now. It's doing okay, but like, I was curious from your, from your perspective. Man, I don't know. I, I Nobody seriously does. don't know because here's the thing. Like, there was, it was... If you think about it, in 60s, 70s, early 80s, I think that was the best time that fair. It was fair all around for the artist, right? For the fan. And for the fan, yeah. right? There was, there was an excitement level, okay? For the fan, you buy a vinyl, like buying, uh, I don't know, Off the Wall by Michael Jackson. That's a good example. Right, like... You knew it was coming. Knew Anticipation. Was, yeah, and it was like this thing. It's like, yes, off the walls come. Or Led Zeppelin. I don't know. Like the Beatles, mm-hmm. right? There was this excitement level. And for the band, there was this whole process of it, right? There's like this whole process of recording the album and making the album art and then releasing it. And then you're making that money back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, unless you had a really well, you, shitty you contract. To. Yeah, right. you hope to. Yeah. And... There was like a really, it was, you know, you can make a lot of money, I guess, you know, maybe I'm wrong, I'm, but I'm sure it was a lot fairer back in the day. But I think as the nine, when you get to like the nineties and what it becomes is like, you have all these, like, as what I understood, like in the late nineties, you had all these like boy bands, right? Backstreet boys and um, boys to men and stuff like that. They're like mid nineties. Yeah. Mid nineties. And I think from what I understand is that a lot of these bands and not, maybe not those particular bands, but a lot of these bands had like one hit, right? They oh, were one. When were you born? 95. Okay. It's like, and, and what I was, as I'm reading, I like, I obviously wasn't aware of this as it's happening, but what I understand is just, it just feels like it was like an unfair system where like a fan had to pay like 20 bucks for an album to listen to one song. Mm-hmm. So, that that was a hit, and then everything else in the album might have been shit. Right, and I think I did a Hillary Duff record that way. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, side note. No, no, <laughs> and it could be any record. I'm not. I'm not just dissing on like boy bands, but I, I'm feeling like boy bands was kind of the thing, like mm-hmm. going into like the early. Yeah, it's like 2000s. the popular music at the time, especially for like kids our age and et cetera. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I feel that there was just an unfair system all around. Now it's becoming extremely unfavorable for for the artist mm-hmm. and you might say that spotify and apple music are like you know th- they're putting their music out there for you they're getting people to listen to it from other countries it's great advertisement stuff like that but it's like well do you know how much money i put into this as an independent artist mm-hmm. like i'm not fucking john bon jovi here making a record like right. i don't have like a backing you know, this is me out of my own pocket, you know, yeah. making this record, you know, and as an independent artist, like it is extremely hard to do that, obviously, as you guys know. So it's very, um, it's become like super unfair to the artist, obviously, and more favorable to, to the fan. Mm-hmm. But I think how to fix it to answer your question is just, 
I, I have no idea. Honestly, I just, I just, I don't know how, because streaming is so like, I even listen, like to, I even have Spotify. I mean, Every, we all do. everyone yeah. do. Everyone does. So it's like, how do you fix that? You know, because I even use it when I'm teaching a student a lesson, like, Oh, like here's an example of, you know, how you, someone plays this song, you know, it's very easy. YouTube, like, let me pull the video of Dave Weckl playing a drum solo. You know, like, it's extremely reliable to have. But at the same time, it's like it's not helping, like, the artist itself. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. Even, like, guys at, like, a higher level than me. Like, like I remember reading a post from this keyboard player who plays with Larry Carlton. He was talking about how um, they posted they, – they, they played a gig – Together with uh, Vinny Caliuta and Abe Laboye on on bass, he's awesome. and yeah, he's awesome. And Mike Landau on guitar, and some guy was standing right next to Vinny and filmed the whole entire show. And they, I, th- I'm what I believe is that they were going to come out with a record and come out with videos with these songs. Like mm. they, they played at this show, and I think the whole point of it was that they weren't able to do it. Because someone filmed this and put it on YouTube, and literally, I even saw it. It was like five hundred thousand, really views on it. It was a lot of views, but it was just literally a guy like who was obsessed with Vinny Caliuta, like filming just Vinny, nobody just else, Vinny and no one else. And you know, it's unfortunate. At the same time, it was like when I was a kid watching, and I was like, "Wow, this is like really cool." But at the same time, it's definitely not fair for the artist. No, because you don't get the surprise factor, and then you know. Yeah. Everything else. I think honestly, like these, uh, like Spotify, Apple Music, and all these streaming companies need to know the other side of it. I think, and I think they need to be a little bit more lenient. I think they do know, and I think they they know they can take advantage because we don't have any protection. There's no too. there's no federation of streaming artists or artists yeah. that are streaming, and that's what maybe maybe we need. Maybe we need some sort of a fucking union. Musicians. Right. Well, we have musicians unions, but they're, they're useless now. Um, really? Yeah. Can you imagine that? Just like protection from fuck the people that you put your music out with, somebody to protect you from it. Um, but anyway, this rant is all to basically say: What are the last five things you've been listening to on Spotify? <laughs> I think I went on like a longer rant. No, I apologize. No, though. it's okay. <laughs> I uh, I'm always fascinated about where people come from in that headspace. Yeah. Um. Well, on my Spotify, uh, Eric Clapton. Which record? Journeyman. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Great record. Mm-hmm. Love that song, Bad Love. Yeah. Really uh, sick. Phil Collins is on drums. Um, I like that song, but I like the one with um, Wish It Would Rain. It's like an epic 80s ballad. I think it's a Phil Collins song with Eric Clapton, though. Um, I think it might be actually be a Phil Collins song with Eric Clapton. Uh, Something with Rain. Let It Rain? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's the one. That's a great song. That's the one. I don't think that's on this record, but... It's like Derek and the Dominoes, or, or early. Is it? Or early, it is. That's like that's like early seventies. Well, there's like an epic eighties version with Phil Collins singing lead really? vocals and oh, Eric Clapton. Are you talking about the the Twenty Four Nights live album at Royal Albert Hall with Phil Collins and Nathan East? No, I think it's just like a single, and they had like a music video for oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It had like yeah. epic. Because that, you know, that song, that song, Let It Rain drum. came out in like oh. the seventies. Let It Rain is like old Clapton. That's like seventy one, seventy two. I may be mistaken. I'm, well, I love Journeyman. You could be right. That's awesome. That sounds great. I mean, Journeyman's the the shit. I also love Slow Hand and Slow Hand. Great, dude. My favorite song off of Slow Hand is the core. It's oh um, no, that's the one I try to get us to do. 
Oh, such a great song. Oh, so good. So good. Amazing. What drummers sing when they drink too much. Yeah. Cheers, my brother. Cheers. Done. Yeah, man. Um, We got to play double drums, by the way, man. I love my new favorite thing is double drums. We just did a video with Arjun. Doobie, or why do we say his last name? Oh, he's a bad, he's a bad motherfucker. We did, we did a, <laughs> we joked about this on another podcast, but we can never say his last name right. It's Trap Rabbit Us and Solar Circuit. We just put a new video out. I gotta check that out. Please listen yeah, to I it. I gotta check it out. Um, I'm gonna listen to it. It's our tune called Here Come the Fuzz, and we've realized, oh, we like this. So we're gonna do like covers and our tunes with like different bands or groups. Oh, and cool. We actually have a couple planned. We have one we're doing in September, and, and another one we're hoping to do in the, the winter. For a, a secret upcoming show, nice. Um, but we love that shit, and I would love to do more double drums. Let's, and like let's do it, out. man. Do I it. loved. I dude, I've only had the chance to do it once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was actually it was really cool. I did it with. It was at a jam session with Joel Rosenblatt <laughs> from Spiral Gyro. It was really cool. We played like, um, why am I blanking on the name? Uh, all blues. Really, you did yeah. double drums on all yeah, blues. Yeah, we did it like, like a pretty mm. shuffle. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I would do that. I was uh, so psyched about it. Uh, I was like, I even, I showed Joe Nero because I had a lesson with him like a couple weeks later. I'm like, yo, guess who I played double drums with? He's like, oh man, you sound pretty good. He, uh, it, it, for people that don't know Joe Nero, he he's hard to get excited. <laughs> he's a very very cool cool guy. He's very chill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? You know who I'd love to play double drums with. Sorry, we're going on a drum thing, Mark. Yeah, sorry. sorry about this. Um, you know the, the guy from the Spin Doctors? Oh, yeah. He's we really saw, good. We, we opened up Aaron for... Um, Combs? I don't remember. We opened up for... Uh, the guitar player? No, no, no. We played uh, the Wayne Music Festival last year, and we opened up for... Um, Who's who's the one that we opened up for Mark? It was uh, Joan Osborne. Joan Osborne. See, this is why Mark is here, because I, I space out every now and again. And Aaron Com- Comis? Combs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's the drummer. He's awesome. He's a bad he dude. Was, he was playing with her that one. Night. It was all Nashville guys and him. And I was like, I want to play with you. Can we do? And I said, I think I asked him for a lesson. He was like, Sure, man. That, I hope you said it that creepily. Too. I did. I was like, eh, <laughs> I want to play with you. I want to play with you. I want to play with you, Aaron. He was so good. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of wish I did. But anyway, anyway, he's back really to good. your Spotify. <laughs> all right. Um. All right. This is gonna make you laugh. Uh, Christopher Cross. What song? All right. I think I know it. Dude, I something about '80s yacht rock, man, always gets me. Like just some of the, the melodies, and mm-hmm. honestly, anything with Michael McDonald, I love fucking. Michael Don't bring McDonald. up Michael McDonald with Mark. Oh, I hate Michael. McDonald. What he, so he hates much, Michael dude. McDonald. What a fool believes. <laughs> oh God, dude, heartburn inducing. <laughs> really? Oh man, <laughs> flaccid city over here. <laughs> I mean, he's oh, a great. He's a he's a phenomenal musician. I just cannot stand him his singing, and it, I think his songwriting is kind of corny too. Oh. That's just me though. Sorry. No, I respect it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I get it. Well, yeah, Christopher Cross. All right, it's uh, I like it. <laughs> it's a cool song. Hey, whatever. I have some things that Mark's make Mark makes fun of me. Yeah. For, so okay, yeah, I also listen to Guar, so you can feel free to make fun of me. Guar, who's that? You don't Guar? know Guar. The heavy metal band dressed up like space aliens, dude. Come on, dude. You gotta watch uh, some YouTube videos of this band. It's I gotta watch epic. this. Epic. My favorite band is Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. 
Dude, it's a great band. Yeah, but Mark Mark hates it. So that's like, not true. That's not true. Mark hates I, most of I'm it. I'm not a big Bruce fan, but I respect Bruce. Just like I respect Michael McDonald. You know, you know what's but funny I about never put. I never will ever. I met ever Michael McDonald when I was 16 years old. Did you really? I met him at the Blue Note. Wow. <laughs> he was. I went to go see uh, Robin Ford and John Schofield play. No oh, wow. shit. And he was sitting front row, and I was with my dad and his buddy, and. And your dad's an epic guitar player, so he he knows who it is. He yeah, and front. I was like, "Yo, pops!" I was like, "I think that's Michael McDonald over there." And like, I look back on this now, I'm like, "Man, I can't believe a 16 year old kid knew who Michael McDonald." That's was. true. <laughs> yeah, like, now like, everybody, like, who's that, that old man? Crazy? Like, I was sitting there going, "Like, yeah, that's Michael McDonald over there." And my dad's like, "No, it's not." I'm like, "Yes, it is." And I went up to him, and I had a napkin in my hand, and I go, "Excuse me, are you Michael McDonald?" And he was like, yeah, I am. And I'm like, can I get your autograph? And he's like, yeah, cool. That was it. it it'll There would never be a like anything that calm ever again. It's all these selfies and this, yeah. that. Can I get your photo? Like, <laughs> hey, Mike, can I get a selfie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bud. Something about an autograph. It's still, it's still kind of cool. I actually was watching an interview with um, – what actor was it? I think it was like Ricky Gervais or somebody in that yeah. ilk. was like, I haven't signed an autograph in years. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it's all selfies and shit like that. Invading your person. Anyway, we got off on a tangent again. Oh, it's all good. Uh, I guess we need more beer. I guess is what yeah. I'm trying to say. So anyway, so what's your third one? Um, Elvin Jones, the Jazz Machine, or or I guess it's the Jazz Machine. It just says Elvin Jones. Let me see. Artist. Yeah, right there. Elvin Jones Jazz Machine. So I I think I pulled that up, but I wasn't listening to. Stuff under mm. Elvin Jones Jazz Machine. Yeah, but he had a crew that was called that, and he went on tour that that group. Right. I think I was listening to um, wasn't like say the album that I listened to. Uh, I think it was uh, live at the Village Vanguard. Mm -hmm. But it kind of sucks because they the the album sucks. No, no, it it great album. Elvin Jones. I know you're dead, but <laughs> but anyway. get your shit together. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but they only have two songs on there that they let you listen to, and they block the other two out. I have no idea why, but anyways, it's a great. Maybe they're album. trying to figure out the like the we were talking about like getting people to buy the record, put a couple songs on there. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. Maybe so you buy the album. Maybe that's it. Um, that's number three. Number three, take me to the pilot. We Elton love John. that song. Great, <laughs> we covered song. that. Such a In great the song. In the Tater Tot Express. <laughs> yeah, I we were I was opening up for a band with Moses the other day called the Restless Age, and they they played it, and I thought they had. Wrote the song. And I was like, man, this is a great fucking song. And they played it during the sound check. And then during the show, we're like, all right, we're going to do an Elton John song. And they played it. And I was like, ah, I was kind of bummed because I was like, I was, you just found this new song. I was just found this new song by this like band that's really cool. That's like up and coming. And I'm like, oh, this is like a great fucking song. But anyways, it's a great song. I love it. I love it. It's definitely a, a sway jam. Take me to the pot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that song. So good. Great song. What else you got, bro? Um, Is this number five? The last track? That's number four. Okay, number four. Yeah. Uh, the new Lettuce album, Elevate. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. I've been listening to a couple songs off of there. You seem like an Adam Deitch guy. Yeah. Is that your I like, thing? I like Adam Deitch. He's really good. Yeah. He's like, I don't listen to him like religiously mm -hmm. and I don't like, you know, sit there and... I'm not like totally obsessed, but I like the band. I really like the vibe of, of the band. I really like Nigel Hall. I think he's like a oh, he's the man. singer. Yeah. Um Yeah, they're just great. Just great I band. love the music. The only thing I think is corny is that he does that thing whenever he goes to whatever city he's in, he wears that local team, like the, the, the oh, jersey. He does and the do hat. That? Oh. 
Or at least every time I've seen him, he has the Phillies gear on or wherever he is, and it's like... You got to do what you got to do. Yeah, right. I guess, I mean, hey, we're all fighting that that, that ticket war, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, And the last thing I've been listening to was the the um Derek not Derek and Domino's Tedeschi Trucks band they did uh, a live set that they posted on YouTube with Trey Anastasio and who's the dude that plays with Eric Clapton Doyle Doyle Bromhall Jr. Yep or the second Doyle Bromhall the second yeah. the other day they did a, a whole tribute to Derek and the Domino's they played the whole Layla I heard about album, that and it was really really good super tight like just, just amazing did they do the double drums yeah they did double drums with um JJ and JJ uh, and the other guy. The other guy, his name. Um, but yeah, it sounded like super good. There, I I call them like the best cover band in the world. <laughs> like they're just they're really just anytime they play like a cover of of like a tune, like they did like the Joe um, uh, Crocker, thing. Joe Joe Cocker, Joe Cocker, uh, yeah. Mad Dogs and Englishmen. Yeah, they thing. did that whole tribute to them, and it's it's so it's good. Crocker, what Crocker. a crock. Yeah, what a crock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, but uh. What's it called? No, <laughs> the greatest cover band. Um, don't tell uh, our guitar player Luke that he'll he'll probably hunch you down and, and, and hurt you. No, he I I loves I, Derek. Trucks. No, I I they write great songs too. Yeah. I really do like. I I've never seen them live, but I really, and I say that in like the the most in like a as like a compliment. It's just like any time they play like a tune, mm-hmm. a, a cover tune, it's so authentic to the recording. In my opinion, like anytime they cover, um, yeah, like they they cover Derek and the Domino's tunes all the time, and it just sounds super authentic to to the song, right? Which I really like. You ever see uh, Derek Trucks playing with the Eric Clapton's band when he was doing that tenure for a little while? Mm-hmm. He was in his band for a hot second with really? Doyle Bramhall and, and really, and like it was those two and Eric on the uh, on the guitars. And actually, you know what's funny is I think I have a a. a a board rec- recording of when they came through uh, Philadelphia back in two, 2004, mm-hmm. I want to say. And it was like Steve Jordan on drums oh. and uh, maybe Willie Weeks on bass. So good. The best, man. Dude, Steve Jordan. Yeah. Can we just talk about that for a second, how good he is? Well, no, because, yeah, I'm obsessed. It's a problem. All yeah. I want are those peisty traditional signature <laughs> symbols he has, and and they actually have them at the Philly Drum Company, a Philly really? symbol shop up, up on Gerard, and I've been like dying to get up there to go look at them. Real? Oh man, I gotta check that out. Mm-hmm. Man, that he's just like if anyone doesn't know who Steve Jordan is, like just, just check out. Steve well, you know Jordan. what's funny is after the um, the Try John Mayer record, and then the uh, uh, was Live in L.A. DVD with John Mayer. He blew up. Yeah. I didn't know who he was until that point. And then I realized every one of my favorite records was him playing drums on it. And I was just like, you know that Alicia Keys tune? Um, Lesson Learned? That song. But uh, some people. Yeah, he plays on it. But I don't. It's, this, it's a gravity beat. It's, yeah. it's just mm, so oh, good. So, oh, man. Just, you, I could just listen to him just play a backbeat. Just, mm-hmm. just a snare drum. Yeah, he's like one of the few people that you could just listen to play groove and you wouldn't ha- be bored necessarily. Yeah, right. It's just I don't know what it is. It's just it's just it's the hypnotic thing. Yeah, and he, it's I just want to like I don't know. I just want to like talk to him for like an hour mm-hmm. and just be like, 
<laughs> like I don't know. I, I wouldn't Can know you what just to ask. Give me your drum wisdom, please. <laughs> just yeah, right? give me all the things. Like what drugs have you taken over the years? <laughs> That you can give me. <laughs> that I can go pick up yeah. at a local Rite Aid. So I, that I can play like you. <laughs> Fucking yeah. funny. Here, we're going to do a quick lightning round. Yeah. You ready? Okay. What was the first record you ever owned? Um, can't remember. Oh, uh, it was like a Jimi Hendrix experience, like greatest hits. Album. I think I had that same record. Was it um like a yellow cover? Yeah, that's it. I think I had that. Mm-hmm. All right, first concert you ever saw? Kiss. That's a new one. Yeah. <laughs> was it awesome? Yeah. How old were you? I was in the seventh grade, and I, I, was, I was playing a lot of baseball at the time. Like, I was super into baseball when I was a kid. Right. And I was on, like, a travel team. We would go down to Myrtle Beach and play, and it was, like, a whole thing. But three of the guys I was teammates with – we were always like traveling together in the same car, like carpooling to games. And this one particular dad was like obsessed with Kiss, and he bought tickets for all of us, and we went. Oh, and that's it was epic. the fucking coolest fucking shit ever. I was like, yes, Paul Stanley is the fucking man. <laughs> was, yes, Gene Simmons. I was so into it. I'm actually the first song I ever played, um, with somebody was Detroit Rock City. No shit. Yeah, that was the first song I ever played. Um, it was with my uh, my buddy Mark McIntyre. We played it over the phone because we were <laughs> because it was too late at night to have a a, a play date. <laughs> so we literally played it over the phone, like not a cell phone, like a house phone. Wait, how how did you even pull that off? So like you just had like the phone sitting somewhere, and you were able to. How could you hear and, what he was doing? Yeah, we couldn't. That was all. We thought it was we were, it was going to be able to work. We were like, yo, can you hear me? <laughs> like, dude, and I had the recording playing in the background. So wait, so you're playing the recording, and yeah, then he's you playing, playing drums <laughs> through the cell phone, and then you have him playing guitar. You have no idea. Was he playing the recording as well? No, he was playing to the recording. So you're recording <laughs> your cell phone. He's got, the, he's got the phone to his ear yeah, and he's playing guitar. I, it, was, it, was, it was so cooked. I, I, <laughs> it, was, it was probably, yeah, it was, it was hilarious. <laughs> But that's what made me want to start playing music. It was great. It was awesome. That's so funny. <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. That's some shit I would do. Okay, that's why I'm laughing so hard. Yeah, it, okay, was, it, was, okay. it was pretty dumb on my part, but it's all right. You oh, know? It's a great... <laughs> I think I lost connection with him, too. As oh, the song. phone, like, hard Yeah, the, the phone just totally... <laughs> your mom was like, done. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Uh, Go to uh, bed. <laughs> name of your first band. First band? Name of your first band. Name me. Oh. Oh, shit. Oh, man. I forgot the name of it. Us. That was the name of. That's I, actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why we even called it that. But, yeah, it was called Us. That was the first band. That's I actually was. a really great band yeah. name. You should pull that back out or something. Somebody should. Yeah. Uh, free band name for any of you yeah. that don't Us. have it. Just take Us. it. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. What's your least favorite song to play right now? Oh. Um, <laughs> usually is a cover. I mean, it can yeah. be yours, but usually it's a cover. <laughs> well, you know what? Let's change it up. Worse, I, actually, I got an answer for it. Okay, go. What? Um, can I name two? Yeah, the weight. Really? And uh, I saw her standing there, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I saw her standing there. I don't know if I've never noticed this ever, Ringo plays a backbeat on two and four 
but they're hand claps in the back that go. Well, it's just two and four on the snare drum. Just two and four on the snare drum, and someone's doing hand claps, and it conflicts, and it sounds, and obviously it's it's unbelievable, but when you play in a live band situation, it sounds oh, it sounds so weird for me just to play two and four as a backbeat. Without doing, doing the two and four. Yeah, but then it sounds cheesy at the same mm-hmm. time. So I'm always like, and then at the same time, it's like he has like a certain swing to that song. And I, and I always kind of like playing it. Until the other day, I was at a rehearsal for a gig, and they were listening for something in the song, how they ended it, I guess. And they put it on, and I was listening to, like, his hi-hat thing, and it just had, like, a certain vibe to it. And then I played it, and I was just like, I really thought... You really thought you had it. I really thought I had it, but then I was like, like, all right. It's just just songs like that are just, like, they just have a certain vibe to it. And I just, like... I can try to do it as much as possible, but I'm just not going to do it as good as Ringo. And I, and I don't know, something about the Beatles, like playing like a Beatles song is almost like, like the parts are so religious to me. It's you know like, what's funny is Dave Grohl said that. He said that, have you ever written the perfect drum part? Ringo's done it every song yeah. for the Beatles. I mean, some of them, yes, he didn't play, but like every song, perfect drum part. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you like the Beatles. Right, they are perfect drum parts. Yeah, like, they're perfect. Come together. Nobody would have thought of that. Dun, dun. I, I, he, he might listen to this, but I had a student who was kind of dissing on Ringo Starr a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like he, he just, I mean, he was, he's, I think he's like in high school, I think, but he was, he just didn't get it, like mm-hmm. the importance of this dude in rock history, and I, and he just was just like, I don't know, it's today's standard. Ringo, like, come on. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> and you had it like... And I was like... And he just kept on talking. I'm like, you're about three minutes away from getting kicked out of this lesson. <laughs> and, and, you know, he understood. He came in the next lesson. He was like, cool. Okay. I kind of get it. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, it might take you a couple of years. But it's all right. But the net, the, that other song, The Weight, that I mentioned, too, mm-hmm. it's just like there's just a certain thing to it that it's just like a... I don't know. It's just something so. About these it. are songs that you you don't like to play because you can't. It's like you don't want to touch them. Yeah, it's not so much that them. you just hate them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't hate them. It's just like I just don't want to touch them. And that, I, I I can't really think of songs that I really hate playing. I can. <laughs> um, actually, I changed my mind. Don't stop believing. I fucking hate playing that song. God damn you, Steve Smith. Yeah, I just hate it. Um, mine is a wagon wheel. Ah, uh, yeah. That's... If I have to play Wagon Wheel one more time, I might have to kill somebody. I don't mind that song so much. <clears throat> um, yeah, I can't really think of other ones. Yeah, favorite song to play. Oh, as of recently, yeah. Up on Cri- uh, up on Cripple Creek. Songs. Are you singing it? No, but I play with this one dude, Andrew Weiss, and. We play a bunch of cover gigs together, and mm. we always play that tune, and it's just like, it's just always a blast. You ever listen, You ever watch that YouTube video of them in like, a, it looks like a little barn. Oh, playing? Of playing up on Cripple Creek. And, no, I haven't. Oh, I gotta check that we'll, out. We'll look at it, look at it after this. It's oh, like, so good. Uh, Garth Hudson's just like on a little fucking big old keyboard ring in the middle of this little barn, like a little nice. housing thing. It's hilarious. Um, Levon's the man. Levon, you know, 
we're talking like underappreciated drummers right now. Like everyone don't wants to talk about you know your chops and your this and that. And and I'm, and I've talked with Mark. I've talked with a few people. I've come to appreciate more of the just the song drummers. Yeah. As of late, um, they're the best. Honestly, man. <laughs> hey, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Ladies Thanks and gents, go follow uh, Whack Cheddar and the whole crew. And until next time, peace. Peace. Thank you.